Mac Power Users, Episode 22, Traveling with Your Mac. Hello, friends and Mac geeks. David Sparks here from the Mac Power Users. Today we're here to talk about traveling with your Mac. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing good, David. We're just getting back from our own travels. Yes, we are. That's the reason we uh, decided to do this show. We both uh, spent some time out in San Francisco at Macworld having a good time, and we thought, hey, let's talk about how we traveled with our Macs. Yeah, now going to Macworld is always interesting compared to other types of travel because um, there are a lot of geeks at Macworld. And they all have their own little tips and tricks. And, and you, you, Macworld is a great place to see new travel stuff because everybody brings their stuff. Yes, they do. Uh, you know, and just before we move on, I thought I'd just one concluding point on Macworld. Wasn't it a great time? I had an absolute blast at Macworld. Um, I want to thank the, uh, the folks over at Macworld Expo for letting us do a podcast from the show floor. That was just an honor and a thrill. And it was kind of awesome, too. It was kind of awesome. I, you know, when we started, uh, we got ready to do the show. We had the big Mac Power Users logo on the screen on the main stage, and the music was pumping. And I just, you know, looked over you, had to give you a high five. You know, yeah. a year ago we had an idea, and uh, this year we were broadcasting on the main stage. Yeah, and we've got to give you some kudos too because you had a couple of excellent presentations. I only got to see one of them because I came in late. Um, but you did a numbers lab and Mac at work that I, I hear both were very well attended. Yeah, they were. It was great. I'm really happy that um, IDG is starting to embrace uh, the non-creative types. And by that, I mean, you know, the people who aren't just doing Photoshop Me. and, um, you know, uh, making films that the people who are doing other types of work with their Macs. And it looks like they added several sessions this year, mine among them, to uh, to help those people. And I hope that's the first step. I hope it, it gets even better in the future. But you know, it just, I always, it's refreshing for me every year to go there. I have a great time. I get to make new friends. I made some really good friends this year and to meet old friends. And it's, I just come back refreshed, a little bit of a hangover, but I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah, me too. It, it's a, it's a hard vacation, isn't it? Yeah. It's a good one though. It's a good vacation, but it is a hard vacation. So we're going to talk about traveling today. Um, how often do you travel, Katie? I am very fortunate in that I don't have to travel all that often for work. Most of my trips are day trips by car. Um, and, you know, maybe two or three times a year I actually have to fly somewhere. But whether it's a day trip or whether it's an overnight trip or whether it's by boat or plane or automobile or any other mechanism, my Mac is usually right alongside me. Yeah, I travel. What about you? I travel quite a bit, actually, for work. Uh, you know, because I'm in California and I have clients up and down the state, so quite often I'm on trains or planes uh, for various work functions. And then I do a bit of speaking. I'm going to Chicago at the end of of March to do the ABA Tech Show, and so and then there's the family trip. So I actually spend quite a bit of time on planes and trains. So uh, traveling and and the gear you bring to me is near and dear to my heart. I'm looking forward to this episode. Good. Um, so I don't know about you, but especially even for my little day trips here and there, I pretty much have a travel bag packed at all times for my Mac. Not so much for me, but for my Mac. You know, I love that you do that. Yeah? yeah. Well, you can just – and, you know, it, it, it came in handy recently. Without getting into a ton of details, we, we had a little minor family emergency and, and everything 
has worked out and resolved from that. Um, but I ran in my house, I grabbed my Mac, I stuck it in my bag, and I was out the door, and I had everything I needed. I just imagine this like alarm going, like a fire pole somewhere in your house. I do. I have a fire pole that goes from my bedroom to my home office. Yeah, you, no. you stra- strap the uh, emergency Mac bag on, and and you're off. Yeah. Okay. So I take it you don't you don't keep a travel. No, bag but back. but it, it's very endearing that you do. I just want to put you in my pocket. Okay. No, I but I I have my own anal retentiveness about it, and uh, it's lists. You know, I'm I'm kind of crazy, and I accept that. But I have a lot of lists, and uh, we talked about that in our task management episode. I've got stuff I do in OmniFocus, but. Uh, one of my favorite uh, list apps is Zenbee Lists. It's a little iPhone app, and they've got a web app as well. And I've got lists in there of things where I need to go somewhere. So if I have a trip to my mother's house, for instance, I have some tools and different things I use to fix her house. And uh, I would go to trial. I have a list with the various pieces of, of gear I need. And I have a travel list. I actually have a couple travel lists. So I always start when I'm planning a trip. I pull out my Zenbee list and figure out what I need to bring. You know, it, it just, that probably saves you a little money, but it's it's not nearly as fun as rushing in, grabbing your bag, and rushing out. Yeah, I know. But that's, part of the problem is that I, I have duplicates of, of just about everything, which adds a little more expense. Yeah. Well, it, it's nice to, you know, if you're going to travel with your Mac, I think the point is, you, you've organized it ahead of time. I usually organize it beforehand, you know, before I go. But either way, I think spending some time thinking about what you need and what you're going to be doing is, is an important step of traveling with your technology. Right. And, and you learn from each experience and you realize, Oh, I need this cable. And you know, next time it goes in the bag and you have it. Although I will tell you that my travel bag weighs about 4,000 pounds. And I think that's going to be an interesting contrast for the show because you go and you always think, well, gee, I should have brought this. I should have brought that. And I always go and think, why did I bring this? And why did I bring that? For me, it's like I'm trying to bring as little as possible on every trip. So this will be fun to talk through this stuff. Well, as long as it all fits in the bag and the bag can all fit under an airline seat, I'm good. So I guess the first thing we should do is we should talk a little bit about the bags that we use because I don't know, maybe it's different for girls, but it's kind of like picking out a purse. No, this is no this is where guys get to have the the purse experience. This is where guys get to have the purse. Yeah, I remember. Well, I, I remember when I was when my wife back when we were just a couple. One year after Christmas, she was going to get a new purse, and I followed her around the mall for for like two days while she was looking for a purse, and and I still married her. Isn't love blind? <laughs> yeah, I take that approach with laptop bags. With the purse, I'm looking for something that's functional and and relatively inexpensive, and I really couldn't care less as long as it's not neon green. Um, but with a laptop bag, it, it's yeah, I I go around for days looking for the right laptop bag. Yeah, and I know you're real passionate about your laptop bag, so tell me about it. I am um, extremely brand loyal to Brent Haven, and I've just had wonderful experiences with them. And perhaps it's a little to my detriment because I haven't looked at a lot of other bags and I know that I really should. But I have three different types of travel bags um, and they are all Brent Haven bags. So my everyday packed at all times around town bag um, is one of their shoulder messenger bags. And it's a little bit of an older model. But it was very neat at the time because the the insert inside of it um, was expandable that your actual laptop sleeve went in. So it had kind of this foam insert that would come out, but the ends of the insert 
zipped up and down. So if one end was open and the other end was closed, it fit a 14-inch computer. If both ends were zipped, it fit a 12-inch computer. And if both ends were unzipped, it fit a 15-inch computer. That was back when they had the 14-inch iBook, the 12-inch iBook, and the the 15-inch MacBook Pro. And um, that bag actually, because it's got a little bit of flexibility, has has worked with all of my subsequent Macs, including my current 13-inch MacBook Pro. Nice. Um, so I, I feel like it's 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 got a, a big bulk of cushion in there, you know, enough that if it took a tumble from a tabletop or it got kind of a little too forcefully dropped down, you know, as I was setting it down, that my Mac would still be nice and cushy and protected. And um, the Brenthaven guys really pride themselves on protection. Um, if you look at their website, you, you can find YouTube videos of them with some of their higher-end products, throwing computers off the back of speeding pickup trucks. And it works. That's pretty impressive. I, you know, I haven't given that much thought to it, to be honest. My uh, running around day-to-day, I use a, I, for work, I have a, a nice leather briefcase, and it's uh, sentimental to me. Daisy gave it to me like 20 years ago, and I think I'm on my third handle. I, there's a shoe uh, repairman around here that helps me when I start wearing it out, and it's been fixed and upgraded and you know, over the years, but I, I put some foam in the bottom of it and the, the pocket that holds the laptop. And in there, I put one of those encased sleeves that I keep it in. But for traveling, I don't usually, if I'm traveling for work, that's how I carry my laptop in my briefcase. If I'm traveling for fun or for a conference, I use an STM messenger bag that I got, I don't know, three or four years ago. I've had it for a long time and it's starting to get frayed and but it seems to do the job, and it's about the right size. I think when the iPad comes out, I might take a look at it, getting a slightly bigger one so I can carry that as well in it. The one I have is pretty minimal. But when I travel, I also you have some, some geek luggage. Uh, last year, I read an article. I think it was by Andy and Notco, but I'm not sure. It was some Mac guy, and it was about the Pelican uh, carry-on, and I, I was sold. So... Uh, I got a Pelican 1510 laptop carry-on, which is uh, a great company located in San Diego, not far from my home. And they have um, these, this luggage that you can just beat the hell out of it. I mean, it's got, um, you know, it, it's watertight and, you know, it's just, it's excellent luggage. And you can put anything in there, lock it down, and you can sit on it. You can kick it around. You can, you know, use it as a footrest in the airport. Just great. Well, that's little, important. Yeah, it's just a great little piece of luggage. And it works for me because I really like to travel light. I mean, we went to, I was in Backworld for six nights and seven days and I got all my luggage in one carry on. I mean, cause I don't take too much, you know? Um, so I like that. And the other nice thing about that is, uh, I, you know, of course at Macworld, I, I picked up a few things. I ended up with an extra <laughs> backpack. So uh, I was able to check that, um, Pelican with no worries because for coming back you can check it you know it's 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 rugged luggage it's much more rugged than than most of the stuff out there it's not cheap I think it was about two hundred dollars but um, if you want to put your stuff you know securely on planes and if you travel a lot uh, I would I would look at it it also has a lifetime warranty which is pretty awesome so if there's any problem with the wheels or anything later you just bring it down and let them fix it. Oh, sweet. And, and we'll probably be putting links to all this stuff uh, in the show notes because I think I need some of that. Yeah, the, the Pelican bag is uh, strongly recommended for me. I, I know another guy who got one and didn't like it because he thought it was too heavy. But 
for me, it's perfect. I mean, when you're traveling, you want something rugged and this is it. And the 1510 is really nice because it actually has a, in the lid, it's built in. Pelican makes the bags for like cameras and high end audio equipment and stuff. So, you know, if you see the ones where they open it up and they have those special foam inserts that fit exactly for the people's gear. Uh, right. But this bag is really made for laptop travelers. And in the lid, it has a laptop sleeve and it has a little pouch you can put parts in. And that makes it nice for me because when I travel, once again, I'm trying to take as little as possible. Um, and my STM bag is very small. So I keep just the essentials in there and I keep some additional tech in the Pelican in that little pouch. So it all travels nicely. Right. Um, I typically just carry one of the Brent Haven backpacks whenever I'm traveling, um, either for extended periods of time or, or usually on a, on an airplane just so that I can throw it on my back and get through the airport. Um, cause I try not to check bags. So I've got, you know, a, a carry on size bag with all my clothing and, and stuff. And then, a you know, the backpack with all my, my Mac stuff on the back. That works. But, uh, and two interesting stories about that. I just want to mention kind of the reason why I'm, I'm so brand loyal. Um, one is, uh, my friend, uh, Corey Sirens, who is the co-host of with me on the, on the MacCore podcast a while back. He, um, ran over his MacBook in his Brent Haven bag. It was one of those bizarre situations where he was putting something in the back of his SUV, you know, set his backpack down, closed the, the back trunk door of the SUV, got in, put the car in reverse and went over a bump and thought, Hmm. What was that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then after about, you know, five seconds of, ah! you know, um, and the, uh, yeah, the bag just has this tread mark over it. It's, it's literally, you know, if you're trying to look at a, a comical, you know, situation, it, it literally is that except his MacBook is inside. Um, and it, it's fine. He had a little trouble with it. Several months later, which may or may not have been related, but it survived. I mean, can you imagine running over your your MacBook with an SUV? Um, and then the other reason is these things have a lifetime warranty, and they really mean that for any little thing. I had a a clip go bad after I'd been using my bag for like four or five years, and I sent it into them. And they're just really neat folks to talk to on the phone. They're very personable, so you ship it to them. And man, when they sent me this bag back, they had replaced the straps. There was a little fraying on some of the edges that they had cleaned that up too. I mean, this bag came back to me, you know, hand fixed, looking like it was brand new. And it was really at that point that I was like, whoa. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking at their website as we're talking. They've got like an artist messenger bag, which has um, holders for all your pins. Uh, it's, just, it, it's interesting. Interesting. Right. Yeah. And they've got now where you can create your own bags. So you can get a custom look and actually none of the bags that I use with the exception of the backpack are still on their website because they do change out their lines every, I don't know, every year or so. Um, but I like, them. I might have to look at one of these. Yeah. Yeah. And no, Brent Haven did not sponsor this episode. Okay, well, so we've we've yacked about our luggage. Let's talk about how we make these Macs work when we're on the road. How do you get power to them? Well, as you know, with my packed and ready-to-go bag at all times, I did pick up an extra AC adapter. And those things are expensive, you know, to get the extra MagSafe adapters for your MacBook from Apple. I think they're about 80, 80 bucks, 120 bucks. So... So you have an extra AC adapter that's just in your travel bag that never gets used otherwise? 
Correct. I don't know why you I need have, that. I mean, I have, how well, long does it well, take because, to pack it? I mean. Well, no, because otherwise I've got one set up at my desk and you're constantly crawling under the desk and you bump your head when you come up and you've got to wrap the stupid thing up and stick it in the bag. Um, and you leave it wherever you're going to be or you forget to pack it. And Okay. Yeah. So you, your travel bag isn't just when you're getting on a plane. That's when you're just going anywhere no, no. every day. It's going. It's my going okay. anywhere bag. That makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. I, I do that too, I have to admit. Yeah. Okay. And um, I think when you're traveling, another thing is if you bring your AC adapter, a lot of people just bring the plug with the, um, you know, how the AC adapter has a little plastic plug with the two blades on it that you can plug in. But right, so you can have the short power cord or exactly. the extended one. I think one. when you travel, obviously, it makes sense to bring the extended one. You never know when you're going to need that extra power. Um, uh, when I travel, I also always bring, and I'm a minimalist, but I do make room for this, a, a small uh, multi-socket plug uh, because inevitably you get to a hotel room and they've got one plug in the room and they've got a lamp in that one plug. So you have like one plug to get all your and no light. Yeah, to, to get your all your gear charged overnight. So this is a nice device. It plugs in. It's got you know like two plugs and it plugs into a, a typical wall socket and then it gives you I think four or six and that's really nice to have when you travel. Um, I u- now is there any specific tech one that you use or you just use a, a little one that you would plug in at your yeah account? I got one at Target for three dollars and it, the the, oh. the point is it's small. I mean if you want to go crazy and you've got a lot of room to spare you can bring like a power strip. But I like this one because it's a very small footprint in your luggage, and you get to the hotel room, you plug it in, and you're good to go, and you've got plenty of, of power to, to get things right. charged up. Well, I know Allison has one of those Belkin um, white three, you know, plugs into one plug, and it gives you three plugs, and then it has two USB power things on the top. And it looks real cool if you look at it on the website, but, man, when you see that sucker in person, it is a lot bigger than you expect it to be. Yeah, and that's, once again, that's my whole point is I want to keep it to a minimum. So I just got, you know, like I said, it didn't cost very much money. It it scratches the itch, takes care of me. The other thing I did this year, and you're not going to like this, is um, Uh I went over to HyperMac at Macworld and got one of those external power supplies. Mm, I've been thinking about that. The, um... It, they were a little snooty to me. Yeah, no, they weren't very nice to you, you said. But the, uh, but you know what? I, I spend so much time traveling. And for instance, you get on trains in California, and sometimes they have power, and sometimes they don't. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And uh, I do a lot of travel by train uh, for court appearances and mediations and things. And so if you're going to spend two or three hours on the train, you want to be working. And uh, now, this gives you the talk- extra power. Talk a little bit about, because HyperMac makes a lot of products, so people may not know which one you're talking about. They make ones for iPods, they make ones for iPhones, then they make ones for Macs that will also do multiple other things. Yeah, they well, basically what they are is is just honking big external batteries. And the one I got is a pound and a half. And, and Did you get the smaller No, I got the one? medium one. They had a deal at Macworld, so I got the medium one. And it's got a... Um, it's supposed to give me four times the life of my MacBook battery, which is a lot, you know. So I um I and it's it comes with a MagSafe plug and it's got a USB plug and this AC power plug for your Mac. So basically you charge it up at home or in your hotel room and then you put it in your bag and it's as simple as plugging the MagSafe adapter into your Mac and the other end into this thing and it it, it feeds it power. And you're supposed to be able to run it for like 10 or 12 hours. So uh, if you're on a plane, if you're on a train, if you're somewhere where there's just no power available, um, you're good to go. So it's really nice. It's very heavy. 
Um, I'm not going to be carrying it with me all the time. This will be one of those think ahead items. But whenever I love how you say it's a pound and a half and it's very heavy. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's heavier than you think. And I guess the reason I said that, I was I was lifting it the other night, thinking, okay, so the the um, the iPad is a pound and a half. I said this is pretty heavy, and I'm thinking people are going to be surprised about how heavy that iPad is in their hands. Because you look at it and you, you're thinking about the weight of an iPod Touch or something, but it's it's got some beef to it, and that's because the same reason Apple, in order to get 10 hours of video life, uh, accordingly to Apple, that's that's going to have to have a beefy battery in there, and that's going to be heavy. Okay. But that's that's and- off point. So uh, so I bought this Hyper Mac, and uh, I'm looking forward to using it. I've I've just got it, so I can't really report on any problems with it. It's, it charges up easily enough. It's got one button on the side to tell you how much juice there is in there, which is good. I mean, some of these external batteries don't tell you what the current charge is, which makes me a little nuts. And I can charge up my iPhone. I can charge up any USB device. I can charge my MiFi and, uh, and run my Mac at the same time. So it's very convenient when I need power. Okay. Um, I don't have anything that powers my Mac just because there are so few um, products in that market. Although if you do a lot by car, you may want to consider getting one of those um, plugs that plugs into your cigarette adapter, and then you can at least charge it as you're as you're driving around. Um, yeah. Ooh, come to think of it, I actually do have something that will do that. And the Hyper Mac that was a the, if you know when you spend the money for the. Uh the, the external charger, you get one of those for free. So I've got one and I haven't even tried it yet. Right. Um, I just carry along extra power for my iPod and my iPhone, or I guess my iPhone really is my iPod. When I travel, I don't take a separate one. Um, but for that, I use the Richard Solo, which is one of those 1800 milliamp that I think will, will charge the iPhone uh, realistically maybe a time and a half. And that tends to get me through the day when I'm traveling. Yeah, you know, I I always uh, that's one thing I do carry too much of. I carry all these little juice packs and things for my uh, for my iPhone. I always panicked I'm going to run out of juice somewhere, and I almost never do uh, because of my office. I've got a, a charger on my desk, so it's usually not a problem. But when you travel, it's very nice. And I have one of the uh, Mophie juice pack airs, which is nice, it's low footprint. You know, fits right around there. And then I also have. The Richard Solo battery, which I reviewed on Max Sparky, and I forget the name of it. I'm going to put it in the show notes, but it's a it's it's called the Richard Solo. Okay, and it's got a little um, plug in it. But th- this one I have is a, is not the the old Richard Solo. This one doesn't actually have the dock connector built into it. it it's just got a plug, and you can plug oh, okay. in a little um, adapter. But it can also charge the MiFi. That's the other thing I'm always panicked is going to run out of power is the MiFi. So I wanted something that could charge both of them, and this does it. So do you do you take the Richard Solo everywhere, or do you just take it, or do you just, I don't know, when, when do you take the Richard Solo and when do you take the juice pack, or do you take both everywhere? I take the Richard Solo with me. It, it's in my little bag of technology that, that goes along with me wherever I'm at. and. So you do kind of have a little bag packed and ready to go. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't really understand what you were saying. I thought you meant that it was like just for trips, but uh, you know, no. when Well, I mean, I have a bag that I could grab and go, and it would work whether I was going. Everything is in it, you know. So if I go on a major trip, then I repack it into a different bag. But, but yeah, okay. So the the Richard Solo device I use is called the Dexim Blue Pack S3. And it's nice. It's got a little light on it. Um, it charges both USB and iPhone. 
And uh, it's got a little more power than the old Richard solo. It's got 2,600 milliamps. And it's, it's, about, it's about the size of a pack of cigarettes and about half the width. So it's nice. It goes, in, it goes in your bag easily, and you've always got that extra power if you need it. Sure. Okay, so I think we've covered power. Let's talk about cables because cables are really the bane of my existence. Ditto. <laughs> so I have yet to find a really good way to solve this problem, but I always have, I'm always the person who has the cable if you need it. You're the cable person. I'm, I'm always the one that needs the cable. Well, we make a good pair then. I, in fact, I well, no, you had the, you had a, you, you loaned me a cable or offered to loan me a cable at Macworld when I thought I couldn't find mine, but I did. Well, I, I just bring what I need. I mean, when I go, I, I've got a, a single, um, you know, now they've got USB mini and USB micro. I mean, what the heck? Oh my gosh. You know? And you can't tell by looking at them. And you only, it's when you try to shove one into another and it doesn't fit that you realize, crap, I've got the wrong yeah, one. So I've got devices now that need both because the MiFi needs USB micro. That has become an important cable to me. Cause like I said, if I lose juice to the MiFi, then I lose the internet. So I always am careful. But when I go on the road, oh, no, I lose the yeah, internet. Yeah. So when I go on the road, I have a small, like six inch USB mini and a USB micro. And then I have a three inch, uh, 30 pin dock connector, like a very small stubby, um, Apple connector to a USB. Now, where did you find these tiny cables? I got those on, I think I got them either on eBay or Amazon. Okay. But I, that's about all I'd really take. And then if I'm going to be doing extra work, like if I'm going to be presenting, I bring, you know, the cables to hook up to a projector. And you know, I have a bunch of other stuff I bring if I'm going to present. I'll, I, we'll talk about that later. But generally, I just bring just a couple cables. And uh, Daisy came home one day and she had this bag and it's like a mesh bag so you can see through it. And I think she bought it for cosmetics or something. Uh-oh. It's not hers anymore. Yeah. So as, as soon as I saw that, I said, I need the bag, you know, and she was nice enough to give it to me. So when I travel, I put my stuff in there and then I can see what's in there and it's easy enough to find. So, yeah, but I don't bring All any right. cables. And now that I've got this HyperMac, I also bring the, the MagSafe connector for that. But I travel with a minimum of cables. I used to bring everything and then I just realized I had all these cables. I didn't really need them. And they were just getting in the way, and it gets in the way of me bringing less luggage. So I get rid of anything I possibly can. Well, I guess my thing is I'm I'm going to take this computer bag anyway, so the size is already predetermined. If I can stuff more in there and have it, then you know the, the extra weight is minimal. I um, I always bring a, and I may stop this at some point, but FireWire 400 to FireWire 800 cable. Um, just because I've had the occasion where I need to pull things off of other people's Macs and I can, I can boot them up in target disk mode. That was one of those cables that I started packing after I needed it once but didn't have it. Um, and I also always bring an extra standard USB cable and an extra Ethernet cable, although I guess you could do the data transfer by Ethernet, so maybe I don't need that FireWire cable so much anymore. Um, and I always bring an extra 30-pin dock connector just because you never know. You bring a lot of cables. I, I I can't imagine when I'd need an 800, 400 FireWire when I'm on a trip. You know, I needed it once. And then after that, it, it went in the bag. I don't bring Ethernet anymore either. Yeah, The, the no. MiFi kind of released me of that. Uh, 
Well, Ethernet can can do a couple of things. One is it can hook you up in a hotel, um, and if the hotel's got wired, it's probably going to be faster than the MiFi. Um, and you can also do data transfer between multiple computers with the Ethernet. Yeah, but I'm already paying for the MiFi, so I'm not going to pay a hotel's rates. Well, I usually don't either, but if it's there and it's free, I'll take it. Yeah. Anything else? What else do you bring? Um, I always bring, I've got packed in my bag, those, um, the VGA to, um, what is it? Is it mini display port yeah. now? Whatever, whatever computer I have, I have a, whatever it is to a VGA connector packed. Um, and I do have a travel mouse and an Apple remote. I do not like the Apple remote for keynotes. Okay. It's got to have line of sight. I mean, you're relying on too much. When I when I go present, I bring uh, I have the mini DVI to uh, I'm sorry, the DVI to mini DisplayPort and the VGA because you never know what you're going to need when you get to the other to the site. Yeah, yeah, I have both. And too. then when uh, I also bring a USB remote that I bought, I don't know, five or six years ago. And I don't have it with me. I'll have to look up the name for the show notes. But there's a, there's a lot of them you can buy. But this has a little USB dongle, and it creates a, a really strong connection. And the remote fits in your hand nicely. And you can click forward on the slides. And it also has a, a laser built into it if you want to use it as a pointer. And I just find it far superior to the Apple remote for doing keynotes. Have you noticed that Steve Jobs does not use an Apple remote when he does his keynote? Of course. I mean, it's a piece of junk for that. I mean, it's great if you want to stand across the room and play iTunes or, you know, start a movie. But if you're trying to do slides and you have to be physically stopping to point your remote at your Mac, it's very distracting to the audience and yourself. I mean, how do you stay in the flow? You've got a remote in your hand. You just click the button and it moves. You don't even think about it with a with a good remote. And, you know, while I'm on this rant... All the, oh, do you want to talk about the iPhone? Because I hate that. Yeah, I mean, these iPhone apps, I've bought two or three of them because I keep thinking maybe this will do it. But... Look, I don't want to look down at my phone and see the next slide. And I don't want to have to look down at my phone and try and swipe to get the next slide going. It's going to be really distracting. And then the iPhone turns off. I know you can set it to stay on longer, but I mean... You and then you die, you kill your battery And life. you don't know how long you're going to be there. And then you've got to rely upon creating a wireless network, which is not that hard, but you know it could be. I don't know. I, I think if you're really going to be doing presenting, get yourself a good remote that plugs into your USB port. Or a good Bluetooth one. I guess there's some Bluetooth ones out there as well. But just get yourself a good remote that doesn't need a lot of features, but when you click the button, it should go forward. You shouldn't have to look down at it or think about it at all. And and just move on. Forget all this other stuff. So when I travel when I travel to present, I, I bring a couple extra cables. Actually, when I travel to present, I bring a lot of extra cables because then, then things change. If For instance, if you're traveling with a projector, then you need to bring an extension cord and an extra ball. I mean, there's, it, that just opens a whole new avenue. You know, when people are paying you to come present, it needs to work. Right. Oh, you. Oh, and those bulbs are so expensive. I wouldn't want to travel with one. I'd be terrified of breaking yeah. it. Anyway. All right. So this brings us to the issue of connectivity. And you've talked about, well, you can go ahead and talk about it because you've already talked about your mic. Yeah, I just, I love my MiFi. I'm not real happy about the bill every month, but I'm, I think it was the right decision. And now, by the way, I AT&T think, still has not announced its tethering plan. Oh, yeah, that, that the MiFi just for people who aren't aware is what is it? It's about the size of a credit card, three credit cards stacked on no, top of each other. No, it's thicker than that. It's um, is it's it? about a quarter of an inch thick, but it's about the the footprint of a credit card, and it's got one button on it, 
and I have mine through Power. through Verizon. It's cost me sixty dollars a month, uh, but it's internet and it's a it's a it's a Wi-Fi network. You can hook up up to five computers on it. So now, just a year ago, weren't you laughing at Allison for carrying the internet in her purse? I wasn't. I was admiring her. I thought that was oh, awesome. Okay. I mean, I had I hadn't kept up with that technology, and I was traveling to MacWorld with Allison in two thousand nine, and uh, she lives in Southern California, so a lot of times we fly up together. So we're sitting in the airport, and you know, I don't have any internet, and I had a, a problem at work I was trying to deal with, and she says, "Hey, you need the internet," and I said, "Sure." So she pulls out this like brick out of her purse. <laughs> And she plugs it into the wall, and there's a Wi-Fi network there. I mean, but that was, I mean, just a year ago, that was... It, that was awesome Yeah, technology. I mean, I thought it was amazing. I mean, you know... It was a cradle point is what yeah, it, was. it was. It was some it was kind a of... a cradle point, and she had it all figured out, and she had, I think, an e-video or something. She, But basically, she she had a shareable network sitting there in the corner of the airport. And uh, so I, I was amazed, and I didn't realize it had come that far. And then, of course, within a year, they've got the, the MiFi out, which puts all that in your pocket. And so I got one and I, I really like it. it. I know it's expensive and I know a lot of people, I, I realize that that's, that's a luxury and you know, $60 a month is what $720 a year for the internet, which is a lot of money. But for me, I, I really do get my money out of it and, and I share it with my wife. So when she travels, she has it as well. Uh, we, we have kind of a MiFi sharing plan. The other day she was going to be at gymnastics with the girls for two hours. So I had to remember to leave it home for her that day. So, you know, it all works. Well, and you, you are going to save a little bit of money that back because in, this is a little off topic, but we talked about, you know, there's really no reason for you to spend the extra 130 bucks to get the iPad with the 3G. Bill. No, I'm just going to get the basic iPad and carry my MiFi with me. I'll, I'll get by. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, right. it's, it's really nice, you know, and it saves me money when I go to airports and I don't have to pay for their crappy Wi-Fi. It saves me money when I go to hotels. It's uh, it, To me, it's worth it, but, you know, it's it's not necessarily for everyone. The other nice thing about the MiFi is it's a Wi-Fi network. It's not just plugged into your computer. It's shareable. So I can hook it up and I can have my iPod Touch on it or my iPhone and my Mac and my daughter's Mac. And, you know, so we can have a whole network. And that's really nice for sharing. Like, you know, when you've got all these apps on the iPhone, like uh, PaceBot, which is, I have this love affair with this app called PaceBot. Have you ever heard of that app? Yeah, you've okay, talked about Okay, well, it. anyway, I use it all the time, and I share information back and forth so I can be on the road or anywhere, and I have this immediate network between my MacBook and my iPhone to do all that PaceBot sharing. So it's really good for that. And it gets you free drinks because I got stuck on an airplane once, and I shared my network. We were, we were on the runway for like an hour. And so I went ahead and turned it on and gave the password to everybody in the aisle. And I got free drinks for the whole flight. It was great. There you yeah. go. Um, I don't travel as much as you do. So a MiFi, although I have been extremely tempted, doesn't make financial sense for me at this point just for how little I use it. But I did experiment with a service that I no longer use for other issues, but the um, – but the plans worked for me, and there is a company in the United States. Well, Virgin Mobile is a is a worldwide company, but Virgin Mobile USA is one of the first companies in the U.S. and others have followed suit that really offered this idea of pay as you go broadband access. And I use the term broadband loosely. Um, but their deal is, you know, you you buy this ninety nine dollar data stick, Virgin Mobile. Um, is an MVNO that is is typically geared towards people who don't want contracts. So you see um, a lot of, of younger people um, with them or people who are use very low minutes. 
Um, so you buy this $99 data stick, and you can then buy the minutes or the the data as you need it. And their pricing plan was $10 for 100 megabytes that you have to use within 10 days, and then 20 for 250, uh, 40 for 600, and 60 for a gigabyte. And all of those you can use within 30 days. And if you look at it purely price per megabyte, especially compared to the MiFi, which I think is 60 bucks for five gigabytes a month, um, you know, you're, you're really paying almost 10 times as much per megabyte for the Virgin Mobile plan as you would be, you know, with a typical Sprint plan. But the thing is, you don't have that $720 a month bill. A year, you mean? So, a year, yes. You don't have that $720 a year bill. So, um, it's a concept that I really liked. I ultimately ended up returning the card um, because I wasn't thrilled with the Sprint service in my area. And then the iPad was announced, and I thought, well, gosh, you know, I'll, I'll probably maybe that will take care of some of my usage needs if I just get the the 3G as you go for the iPad. But I really liked the concept, so I'm, I'm hoping that that more carriers will come out with something like that. And I think the MiFi even does have a pay-as-you-go plan. But then I think the price of the device is like three hundred bucks, and I think it's fifteen dollars a day. I'd have to double check, but yeah, that sounds about right. I think it may be two hundred, and and they also have a lower data plan that's I think twenty or thirty dollars a month, but it's like two hundred and fifty megabytes. Right. And to be honest, there are months when I probably don't use much more than two hundred and fifty megabytes, but then there are other months when I use quite a bit. So I just got the big plan. Yeah, so I'm I'm trying to hold off making that decision as as long as necessary, but and just to to see how the options pan out. But I I think I'll I'll get one. Um, otherwise, in in terms of connectivity, um, I use a, an Airport Extreme uh, if I'm in a hotel room and they've got a wired network and I I want to set up a little wireless network. Although most airport, I'm sorry, a um, Airport Extreme for a hotel, not an airport. Although most hotels um, typically have Wi-Fi networks, but if you can plug in, you can typically do better. Okay, wait. Now, stop there. Can you explain that? Because I know a lot of people have heard of that but don't really get it. Okay. So you go to a hotel, and many hotels will either have a Wi-Fi or a hardwired Ethernet network. Um, And if you can get on the Ethernet, you're you're always doing better because hotel Wi-Fi is kind of hit or miss. Um, and this was especially important in the earlier years where you didn't see as many hotels having Wi-Fi networks. They only had Ethernet in the rooms. So what you do is you, you plug your Airport Express into the Ethernet wire that's coming out from the hotel. And you reconfigure it just as you would configure it at your home, although you obviously would use different options. Um, and then make your own little mobile airport network using the hotel's network. Now, sometimes you have to um, do a few wonky things in order to get it hooked up. Sometimes you have to authenticate and you have to plug it into your Mac first and do that and then plug it into the Airport Express. Um, and sometimes it's hit or miss, but overall it, it seems to have worked for me. And I, I typically, if I can plug in um, and use my own airport network, get much better speeds than I would using the hotel Wi-Fi. 
And it's got a few less security concerns than hotel Wi-Fi. That's kind of your own network in that, in that sense. So you can add a right. level and you of security. Can, and, you can, and you can lock it down. Um, and if it's the type of situation where you have to pay, you know, if you've got adjoining rooms or you're all traveling together, then, you know, somebody pays and you share the network out. You know, the problem with that is it seems like hotels are less and less giving you an Ethernet option. I mean, you go to hotels anymore. I've seen that. They're all Wi-Fi. So it doesn't really do you any good. Now, can you take that? And I don't know the answer to this. Can you plug into a Wi-Fi network and use the Airport Express to you know, amplify the signal to give you a better signal? Usually not. Not unless it's a really open, unsecure network. Yeah. So that's, you know, it seems to me like the the utility of that is going away as as hotels go away from the Ethernet model. They all seem to be using the, the Wi-Fi. And it's not just Wi-Fi, it's bad Wi-Fi. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been in a hotel that had decent speed unless you wanted to pay like $25 a night. Right. Um, and then I actually, you know, we are all waiting for iPhone tethering because that's going to solve so many people's problems in terms of, of what to do with data on the go. Um, but I was lucky enough, if you remember, it was a couple of hours on one day, this program called NetShare was the buzz all around the internet and it would allow you to tether your iPhone to your Mac and then it abruptly got pulled from the iTunes store. But I got it during that very brief time period that it was available. And I don't feel guilty about that because I, I bought it legitimately. It was on the iTunes store. I paid for it. And uh, and I'm using it. Yeah, I'm just not convinced that tethering is going to be the solution that everybody thinks it is. I mean, I, I don't have that much faith in AT&T to, to give you the kind of bandwidth you're going to need even if you do get it tethered. Well, I think... I think it will be a solution for some people some of the time. It's not going to be a solution for everyone all the time. But I think for people who are, are light, people like me who are kind of on the edge of, of whether or not I need to go buy a MiFi or whether or not I need to go get a 3G card, um, people who don't use it very frequently, I, I think for those people it would work. Yeah, you know what, for checking email and making reservations on the web and stuff, it will be fine. But I just think if you're well, going to do like any heavy computing or heavy access, you may have a problem. But uh, who, what do I know? I mean, it hasn't even come out yet, so who knows? Yeah. All right, so we are going to talk about security on the road a little next, but we do want to pop in and thank our sponsor, Smile on My Mac. And just as a side note, weren't they lots of fun to hang out with at Macworld? Yeah, they were, and they were really helpful for our live show. They gave us a bunch of mugs to give away to people, and they didn't have to do that. And that was actually one of the funnest parts of the live show was the contest. Yeah, we got some some interesting people who knew some interesting things and and had some interesting Mac history. Didn't we find somebody with a Newton? Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, well, um, but hey, look, if you're going to go to a big room and there's going to be one guy with a Newton, you know, Mac yeah. World Expo Hall, that's probably the first place you should go. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about Disc Label. Uh, this is a product that I've used another of, number of times that makes professional looking labels and inserts for things like DVDs and jewel cases. Um, and one of the examples um, that I always like to tell people, well, why should I buy disc label? Because, you know, I just bought this Epson printer that prints on, on DVDs and it has its own software. And I, I spent hours of my life one day um, trying to use this kludgy printer-included software to print a label for a DVD or to print a picture on a DVD. And I said, you've just got to be kidding me. Let me, let me get out of here and uh, downloaded disc label, and I think it was within about two minutes, 
I had um, exactly what I wanted created using disk label. Yeah, so disk label has got a, a variety of options. You can include their own artwork or, or your own photos, and you can put your effects in and move them around. It's very Mac-friendly. I actually used one of the comp- competing products until I started using disk label. And the nice thing about Smile on My Mac is you know, they're Mac programmers, and they get the UI thing. And so many people don't. And it's just, it's really intuitive. You don't really need to spend much time at all um, to get going in this thing. And if you're going to make a really nice family video or DVD or a picture album, I mean, why not make it look nice too? I mean, if you spend all that time, you know, making this, this professional quality stuff that you can do with some of the Mac tools, what are you going to do with a magic marker, you know, writing on the outside of it? No, I mean, you're going to make a nice label. And uh, this is a great app for that. All right, and it really is the finishing touch to all of those projects. I've done a number of family DVD projects or family movies, and it it just it looks so much more professional and so much more meaningful if you hand it to somebody and it's it's got this custom made box or this custom made label. Yeah, and if you go to the Smile on Mac website and check it out, they've got some great tutorials there by a friend of ours with a familiar Liverpool accent. Yeah, Don's, Don's done a whole series of, of tutorials for them, and he does it in typical Don McAllister screencast online style. So you can find Disc Label at smileonmymac.com. As always, they do have a, a free trial period, or you can buy the product for $39.95, or excuse me, $35.95, and they even have a 90-day money-back guarantee. Yeah, please support Smile on My Mac because you know we really appreciate them stepping up to sponsor this show. They're making it possible for us to to bring you this great show. And frankly, it was very helpful for me in getting to San Francisco and being able to spend the week up there. Uh, having a sponsor made a big difference for me. Absolutely, me too. And you can go find the uh, Smile on My Mac uh, Mac Power User site at smilemymac.com/mpu. I believe that is still up. No, but I'll edit that okay. out. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> well, it ended at the end of February, and Gene hasn't given me another one, so okay. as far as I know, it ends this week. Well, make sure to check check it out, and make sure to tell them that you came from the Mac Power Users podcast. Absolutely. Okay, so we've t- done entire episodes on security, but it's a little more kludgy when you get on the road because you're outside of your environment. Okay, so let's talk through through how you deal with this stuff. Um, one thing is in my always ready to go laptop bag, I do have an extra Kensington security lock and, um, any Mac that you buy will have this, this little kind of flattened oval slot. And that is a, sometimes it has a K on it. I don't think it does anymore. Um, but that is the security lock and you can go buy Kensington or Targus or any other number of people make locks. And quite frankly, If somebody really wants to steal your Mac, I don't know how much of a deterrent this is going to be. But if someone is is really looking just to grab and go, um, this will definitely deter them. So you you loop the lock around some kind of immovable object and, and you lock it in your Mac. And I always, in hotel rooms or when I'm traveling, especially if they don't have a safe available in the room, uh, make sure that I, I lock up my Mac to something, you know, the, the desk or, you know, preferably something that's bolted to the wall. I guess I should do that, but I've never bothered. Yeah. Um, I also really recommend this and I don't know if this really matches our audience, but for college students, 
um, being someone who was in law school not too terribly long ago, the law school library was was pretty okay, but there was just this mass epidemic of laptop theft in the in the main library of campus, and it was really, you know, someone would leave their laptop sitting on a desk, and they would go walk away and talk to their friends, or go get a coffee and and come back, and and first off, I just I think those people are crazy because I would never leave my laptop just sitting and walking away. Um, but this is a situation where if you're just stepping away for a minute or two, you know, having a lock and securing it to something is, is going to, going to have that person who's, who's just looking for a quick laptop to snatch, move on to somebody else's and not snatch yours. Yeah. I, I think it's silly though, to, to walk away and leave your computer anywhere. I mean, if you're in an airport or in a hotel or whatever, just bring it with you. Although I do leave it sometimes in the hotel room. So I do leave it in the hotel sometimes. Um, so that's one. That's just physical security of the Mac. Um, as we also talked about, and I won't go into too much detail because you can you can listen in our security show. Um, I do use a secure disk image for my sensitive data, um, and I also make sure that I have all of my security features, such as um, disabling automatic login, and I require the the password to be typed at the login screen, and I make sure that I have a password at all of my screensaver screens. So. Um, even if you, you don't take our advice and you don't do those types of things with your Mac all of the time, you especially want to turn those on when traveling. Yeah. Just having the, the basic security at your login, that is just so, so necessary whenever you're out of the house. I, whenever I see people who have their, their Macs that don't require that, I, I stop and tell them that, you know, they're being silly. You know, it just, that's just so basic and it just takes a minute. I, I strongly recommend you do that. Um, when I travel, you know, I, I rely on PGP, you know, my laptop is locked down and we talked about that in prior shows, but you know, it's also just a point of using common sense. You know, don't, don't leave your laptop on a table and walk away to get a cup of coffee, bring it, you know, close the lid and bring it with you. Um, and then, you know, I always believe in having a good insurance policy on it and that's kind of, you know, the peace of mind about it. Well, the worst that happens if it's, if it's gone, I'll be able to replace it. So, um, I use it all the time and. I just need to have that insurance policy to, to give me that kind of peace of mind to take it around with me. All right. And I know we've talked about this. You use a, a third party that kind of specializes in tech insurance. Yeah, Safeware. Safeware. Um, and I, I actually ended up getting it through the same company, but as a separate policy as my homeowner's insurance. And I think I'm saving a little bit more money, but I've I've heard a lot of people tell me that their insurance companies won't necessarily do that all the yeah. time. So you do need to check the option. Yeah, mine won't. I've tried yeah, Allison's uh, won't either, and she has the same insurance I do, but in a different state, so it can vary from area to area. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about the uh, the basics of getting your Mac on the road. Let's talk about the fun parts. All right. Um, you know, for me, actually, traveling is sometimes the time that I get to catch up on um, on my podcasts or I get to catch up um, on my TV shows just because I'm I'm either stuck on a plane or a train or a stuck in a hotel room in a, in a foreign place with nothing to do. So I try to take full advantage of that. Um, and I, I load up my, my Mac and my iPod with, uh, all of my podcasts, but, uh, recently for Mac world, and you know, this was silly of me. I thought, Oh, I'm going to have some downtime in the evenings. I'm going to, you know, catch up on some of my TV shows. And of course there was no downtime in the evenings. Um, but I did have a little time on the plane, so I actually use an application called iTivo. Uh, it's a free, and I believe it's open source also, 
uh, application, I'll put a link in the show notes, that if you happen to have a TiVo, um, it will connect to your TiVo, download your shows off of your TiVo, and it has a number of encoding options depending on if you want to encode them for your Mac, for your Apple TV, for your iPod, or for your iPhone. And I was just thrilled. I downloaded about half a dozen shows, um, and, and every single one of them worked beautifully. Now, it did take some time because these are, are big, high-def shows that I'm downloading over my my home network, and my TiVo is connected wirelessly. So I think it, it took me two nights of just letting my computer run. You know, I did a couple of shows the first night, a couple of shows the second night, um, and got them all over, and the quality was excellent. So I was very, very pleased with that. You know, when I travel, I always have these ideas that I'm going to watch all this this media, and I never do. I mean, yeah. I, I used to, you know I load up movies on my MacBook and podcasts that I want to watch, and I, you know, I get on the road, whether it's either for work or for fun. There's just too much too much other fun stuff going on. I, I never never watch any of that stuff. I I guess the best thing is to load up my iPhone with some audio for uh, for the travel time. But generally, I don't really watch any video when I travel. But I still do that every time I go on the road. I load up. A bunch of media I did for MacWorld and never watched any of it. So uh, I don't know how. Do you, do you use anything particular? Are you just loading up podcasts? Or are you buying things from iTunes? Well, I I, I rip my DVDs um, to preserve them. I use that Rip It app. I just did a review of it, and then then I'll pull out with Handbrake. I'll pull out the actual movie file, so I've got copies, so I can watch them on my 24 inch iMac. So it's easy enough just to to copy it over to the MacBook and watch it in iTunes. Uh, I also have a pogo plug, which is kind of neat. You can watch them through that, but I just don't, I don't find time to do that. I mean, there's always something going on. And frankly, when I do get downtime and I'm on the road, I usually don't want to spend it watching media. I'll, you know, take a nap or, you know, drink a cup of tea and just kind of catch my breath. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time watching media. I don't, I don't really like TV. So there's hardly any TV shows I watch anyway. So, uh, you know, the, the stuff I really love, like there's a great set of, uh, Mac automation, um, podcasts I wanted to watch. I didn't do those. And then there's a, a really great history podcast I wanted to watch and didn't do those either. So I guess, you know, you go ahead and load it up. But if you're like me, you probably aren't going to watch much of it. <laughs> well, I actually did have the occasion. Um, I think you had gone to the Macworld Blast party. Oh, it was so but, fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we missed it. It was, it was Friday night at Macworld and I tell you what, I had just hit a wall and I was just, you know, I can't go to another party. I, I really need to stay in. Um, so Allison, Sheridan, um, and her husband, Steve, and then I think Adam Christensen, Victor Cahillao, and Don McAllister and I all had a pajama party in Allison's room because we stayed at the Abri and they've got these big, beautiful 42-inch flat panel televisions on the wall. Um, so we got ourselves some refreshment and... Um, hung out and we watched uh, the Star Trek movie um, from my iPod connected with the um, you know video cables component video cables to the TV in Allison's room and counted lens flares and it was just one of the most pleasant evenings just a good chance to relax and and do something with with you know with some good did friends you, did you just count the lens flares we did yes did you do anything whenever there was a lens flare <laughs> Uh, no, because we, we would have died had we, had we done <laughs> that. made it to the end. Well, that night I went no. to the Macro Blast and Paul Kent's, um, band is incredible. So I, I really enjoy the band. I got into it and it was funny because there's all these Mac geeks at this, at this, you know, big party 
this awesome band playing and there's all these these women dancing you know because it's a band that's worthy of dancing to and there's all these guys standing around looking at their iPhones i don't know if they were twittering each other or <laughs> Oh my gosh, we're at a party. Yeah, it, it really here. took me yeah. back. So I, I went out there and got in the middle of I had I was the only guy dancing. It was great. And I said, Daisy, I'll understand this. I got to just get in on this. You know, <laughs> I had so much fun that night. But anyway, I think I'm digressing. Okay. Um, so two other things we want to talk about. One is um, access to data while you're on the go. And you talked a little bit about the Pogo plug. And it's technology that I've heard about, but I'm not really familiar with. So can you expand a little bit on what it is and what yeah. it does? As little as I don't want to carry a bunch of extra cords and pieces when I travel. I want so many copies of my data, especially if I'm presenting or doing something that I really need my, my data to work on. So I go nuts. I have a little four gigabyte USB drive that I make copies of everything onto it. And I put that in my luggage separate from my laptop bag and I load everything up onto my iDisk and then I use the Pogo plug and I load everything up to Dropbox. So I've got it in three or four places. So, you know, the idea being if, you know, something happens, my luggage gets sent to the wrong place, my Mac gets stolen, I can still get this data. I just need a Mac to to make it work. Um, the Pogo plug is your own virtual network. And I've got a review that's going to be going up probably with SurfBits next weekend on the Pogo plug. It's a great device. Um, it plugs into an existing USB hard drive and it's got an Ethernet port. So it plugs into the back of your your airport or whatever your your networking devices and it essentially puts anything on that hard drive on the internet you know behind a behind a password wall obviously and it can hold media and it can hold data and you can actually and it's also got a great iPhone app so you can you can put a movie on there and then you can just stream it to yourself on your iPhone and watch it wherever you are so it's just a great little bit of technology it's about 100 bucks and um it's just one more area of security for me. I, you know, I don't want to go somewhere and have a hard drive fail and not be able to present. So the point is to have this data in as many places as possible. So behind a password wall, are you pretty comfortable yeah. with, with the security? Yeah, it's a good or? password. And, you know, if somebody really breaks through it, they're going to get copy of my presentation. They're going to get, you know, the planet earth series, you know, I mean, it's not like they're going to get, I don't put my taxes on it, you know, but right. the, um, it's got, you know, it's got the data I need. And when I travel, it's got availability, it's got pictures on there and everything. But so it's just one more level of security for me. I mean, the Pogo plug does a lot more than that, but for traveling, the way I view it is, you know, that's one more copy of my data. Um, you know, similar things. I, I, I load up iDisk. I load up the Dropbox. I also keep a thumb drive, um, you know, in my, in my ready to go laptop bag. Uh, I also use or, or can use AirDisk. And maybe a question I have is, is how is the Pogo plug really different than that? But if, if you have a, an airport at home that has a USB port on it, you can plug an external hard drive into it and using AirDisk and back to my Mac. Um, as, as long as your network at home is functioning, you can access the data that is on that drive connected to your airport extreme. It's not that different from the Pogo plug, except that I, th I found the Pogo plug to be more reliable. Sometimes back to my Mac is fidgety. Back to my Mac can be very fidgety under, um, I, it tends to work best with, um, all Apple hardware, if you're at a, you know, if you have all Apple hardware at home and if you're at a location that has all Apple hardware, but that's not necessarily always the case. Yes. 
Um, and, and lastly, I just want to talk about a, a couple of random tips that I, I couldn't seem to find anywhere else. But, you know, our mantra, backup, 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 I think that's especially true when you go on a trip. So whatever your, your backup plan of choice is, I always suggest the last thing you do before you power your computer down to take it onto a trip is to make sure that all of your backups are up to date, all of your devices are synced, um, and because the the odds of something happening and you losing your data on a trip are obviously significantly higher than if you had stayed at home. Yeah, agreed. And I think that whether or not you bring a backup drive with you depends on what you're doing. If I'm going to go on a vacation and be shooting a lot of pictures in RAW, I will bring an extra USB drive to make backups while I'm there. Uh, but for just a business trip where I'm just working on Word files and everything can be synced to Dropbox, I don't bother. I use um, the Mosey online backup service. Um, so if I'm if I'm only gone for a couple of days or if I'm not making major changes to files, um, I will usually use just that as my backup method. But if I'm gone for an extended period of time, I will take an external hard drive and do time machine backups. Yeah, for me, a, a travel yeah, but drive. See, the thing with Mosey is if you're taking big pictures, they aren't going to be backed right. up by the time you leave over your right. hotel Wi-Fi. You know, because those things are huge. So I always like to bring an extra drive for that. All right. Well, this is something we don't really know the answer to, but I, I guess we can theorize a little bit. Any thoughts on how, if at all, the iPad will change your travel plans? I'm going to really try to uh, see if I can not have to bring my MacBook, depending on you know the trip. But I am too. For a lot of things I do for work, I do word processing, and it's going to obviously be a function of how well I can word process on it. I will miss Scrivener if I don't have it with me. Uh, but in general, for a lot of trips, I think the iPad will be just fine. Um, you know, the presentation is kind of limited to. I was looking at the uh, the keynote, and for instance, the numbers and presentation stuff was all in two D. It wasn't in three D, and I use, often use three D in my presentations. So, you know, I'm going to have to play with it, but. Uh, the idea of not having to carry a laptop and, and being even a smaller footprint on my trip is a pretty good thing for me. I know for like day or, or weekend trips, it'll be just fine. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think for day trips, the the iPad will replace my MacBook for a lot of what I do. And I know my iPhone already has to some extent. And I think the iPad will, will just improve upon that. Um, for the... Um, casual or leisure weekend trip, I can see an iPad replacing it, but I think obviously any kind of business trip, I am going to need a full-blown Mac. See, I'm not sure. I, I was thinking I, the other day, I, I took a train up to uh, Santa Barbara and sat in a mediation all day, and I used a number spreadsheet, I did a keynote, and I used an Omni Outline. And that was the three apps I really used all day. And I used OmniFocus, but I, I can do that on my phone. And so all three of those apps are going to be available to me, and I probably could have got by just fine with with an iPad. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of Monday morning quarterbacking it now. I I'm really excited about the iPad, and and as we record this, we're about a month away, and I'm starting to feel it. Some of us are longer than that if we're getting the three G yeah. version. Okay, well, enough speculation about the iPad. I, I think it's going to be a good device for people who travel a lot and like to travel light, though. 
So we've got quite a bit of feedback from prior shows because with our uh, our last two Macworld special episodes, we, we didn't have a chance to get to the feedback. So um, some of this has been kind of lingering around for a while. Yeah. We got a, we got a, a message from Donald about LastPass, and he says that we weren't fair to LastPass. And I, I did kind of just passing go over it. Uh, I really like 1Password, and I haven't really used LastPass. Um, I know it's very good for multi-platform. Donald also made some points about its encryption methods. And I would just say go check it out. You know, if, you don't, if you're not happy with 1Password or if you're multi-platform, go check it out. you have anything else on it? Have you tried it? I, I've looked at it. Um, I'm. Uh, I, I don't care how good the encryption is. I'm a little skeptical about putting some of my information like that on a on a web based app or a cloud based service. So it, you know, and and I realize that it is probably perfectly safe to do so. And I guess to some degree, I kind of do with my one password information, you know, being attached to my Dropbox, but. I don't know. It just feels different. It's also a subscription service, um, but it's not that expensive. $12 a year. It's cheaper than one password. Uh, sure. the, uh, for me, a lot of it comes down to there's the UI and I know how stupid that sounds, but I like, I like Mac apps. I like apps that work like Mac apps and look like Mac apps. And one password does that for me. Right. Uh, but definitely go check out LastPass. It, it does have, um, some advantages over one password, some disadvantages as well. It's, it's a different type of program. So, um, if you're not happy with one password or if you are going to work multi-platform, it is worth taking a look at. I also talked about in the one password episode, um, if you are just switching over to one password, one of the things you can do is you can import all of your Safari autofills that were previously stored in your Mac keychain. Um, so that you don't have to re-enter all that information into one password. And one of my problems with the Mac keychain is that by default, the keychain password is the same password as your user account. So if you've logged in, your password is unlocked. So if you've logged in and you've walked away, uh, your keychain is just sitting there wide open. So one of the things I recommend is that after you've installed one password, after you've imported all that information, and after you're happy with the way that it's imported, to go into your keychain and specifically delete those items that you imported into one password. And we got an email from a couple of people saying, okay, what is it exactly that I need to delete? Because there's other stuff in your keychain that you absolutely don't want to delete. Um, so typically what I suggest people do is go into their password or go, in, go into the keychain and specifically look, uh, if you sort by kind, Look specifically at items that are called web password and items that are called internet password. And be careful because some of the internet passwords um, you don't want to delete because they may go to services that are internet services that integrate. You know, for example, uh, my Instapaper password has to be in my keychain because um, my RSS reader accesses it. Um, so you do be careful with, with what you delete in there. But if you go in pretty much any web password, as long as it's been imported into one password, can be deleted. And as always, before you start mucking around in the keychain, um, make a make a backup copy of it so that you can restore if you need to. Yeah, Dominic wrote in about Socialite, which is a app for the Mac that I guess it's a web service, really, that allows you to combine different feeds like Twitter, Facebook, Google Reader, Flickr, all into one app. 
And uh, he was saying how much he liked it. It opened a lot of new windows for him when he started putting all this data together. For me, I kind of want to keep it separate. I, I kind of have a good workflow. I just like my RSS feeds alone. And when I want to look at Flickr, I'll go into Flickr. But if you want to put everything together, I think Socialite's probably one of the better apps. It used to be called Eventbox. Have you ever used that service, Katie? I've heard of it as Eventbox. I did not realize Socialite was the same. Yeah. So it's nice if you want to combine everything. It, it would be uh, interesting. I'm going to check it out, but uh, it's just it really doesn't sound to me like the uh, what I need for what I do. Giles wrote in to throw his support behind Reader as a, a mobile RSS application, um, and he just wanted to let David know that, no, he wasn't odd because I sounded as though it was very strange for someone to manage most of their RSS feeds on their iPhone because, for me, that's a very bizarre idea. Um, but Giles chimes in and says, yep, just like David, he manages about 90% of his RSS and does his reading on his iPhone. Um so there you go. Someone Giles else. is just like me, and he's uh, he's gone down the same road I have. He's bought a bunch of them. He was talking about the different ones he's purchased. And on his uh, email, I went and bought Reader with the two E's. That's R-E-E-D-E-R. And you can find it at readerapp.com. And I love the interface. I think they did a great job. It's very subtle, uh, but it works. It gets all the functionality you need. Instapaper with oh, two buttons. So you've made this. Yeah, switch? I talked about this, I think, in our last show at the end. I said I yeah, tried okay. it and. uh this is the email that led me to it. So thanks, Giles. And uh, I was, I think I sold about seven or eight copies of it at Macworld because I was showing people how much I liked Reader. Right. Lee also wrote in and wanted to give us a, uh, a heads up on a program, and I'm, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, LaTextit. LaTextit. L-A-T-E-X-I-T. Yeah, and there's there's all kind of bizarre capitalization in there. Um, but we did not mention it um, in our word processing episode. Um, but LaTextit can help you with typesetting, especially uh, with formulas. So then you can, you can use it for typesetting specific formulas or equations and then bring those into a pages document. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good app. And then there, um, a guy called Freerk, F-R-E-E-R-K, I don't know what... Hopefully we're pronouncing that right. Maybe it's a nickname. But anyway, or just from somewhere I don't f- familiar with the language. But uh, he talked about when he got his MacBooks, he didn't want to use LoJack, but he used Undercover by Orbicle. And that's found at O-R-B-I-C-U-L-E.com. And he said that it's a, not a subscription, so it's just, I think, a one-time license fee. And it allows you to track your Mac. It locates a stolen Mac through IP tracking. It takes screen captures of you know, whichever villain has your Mac and uh, you can cause a hardware failure. So there's a lot of things you can do remotely. Well, you, you, you simulate a hardware failure with the idea that hopefully someone will take it in for repair and then you'll be able to recover. Ah, smart. Well, that's an interesting, mm-hmm. that's an interesting service it's worth checking out. Right. Um, and then we got an email from Joe who was talking about a topic that we talked about on this show today, but um, specifically, uh, looking for the best way to secure his company's data while he's on the road and wanted to avoid file vault, which I don't blame him for, um, but really had too much data to put in an encrypted disk image. So he'd constantly have to be in and out of that disk image um, and was looking for another suggestion. And I think David, we kind of both decided that PGP was the way to go. Yeah. He had like 20 gigs of data and you could put that in an encrypted image if you want. I've got an encrypted image with about 10 gigs in it. Uh, but if you're changing a lot of that data, that means you're going to be constantly moving stuff in and out and rebuilding it. And, and you probably would need to rebuild it. Cause I, I found that 
often when you remove a file from an encrypted image for the image size doesn't change. So it actually starts to build upon itself. And what's up? Well, it will. If you use a sparse image, it doesn't get smaller. It doesn't get bigger until it needs to, but I don't think it gets exactly. smaller. So if you have a 10 gigabyte uh, image and you pull a one gigabyte file out, the, the image is still going to be 10 gigabytes. So then you put another gigabyte, then you're up to 11, even though you only have 10 gigabytes of file. So it starts to kind of get to be a problem and you have to, eventually just pull all the data out, make a new sparse image and recopy everything to refresh it. So that could be a pain. So, but you know, for the kind of work he was doing and I told him, you know, just, just buy a PGP license. It's, it's a lot of peace of mind because a sparse image is nice, but it also, it doesn't lock your computer up. It just locks up the files in there. So if someone gets your computer, they still can get all your websites and all your logins and all your email and all that other stuff. So uh, if you know, if you really are serious about security, I think PGP is the is the solution. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Um, as always, you can send us email for any feedback that you may have. Uh, that email address is feedback at macpowerusers. You can also follow us on Twitter at uh, macpowerusers, and uh, you can uh, follow our website at macpowerusers.com. And we do want to send a special thank you to Smile on My Mac for their support of the podcast. You can find all of their great software, including Disc Label, at their website, smileonmymac.com. And I just wanted to thank everyone who's given us iTunes reviews. Um, you know, that that's really the, the only way for us to make this audience bigger is uh, for iTunes to take notice of us. And we really appreciate that. And I also just... Yeah, and hey... You can tell a friend. Yeah, and yeah, and I also want to just thank people uh, for sending us feedback. We've got, you know, good constructive feedback. We've got we've got all kinds of great feedback the last few months and I appreciate that people are sending us emails letting us know their thoughts about how to make the podcast better. All right, David, so what are we talking about next? Okay, so the next show is going to be a surprise. Oh. It's something I've been kind of uh, in the back of my mind, something I've been wanting to add to our show. I think it's a it's a next step for us. And we've got uh, some things we're working on, and I don't want to announce anything yet because it's all not for certain, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. So just stay tuned for the next show and be ready to to learn some great Mac Power User tips. And maybe we'll hint at it for people who follow us on Twitter? Yeah, I think if you follow Twitter, you may find out more before it publishes. All right. Sounds like a plan. Well, we will see you back next time with our super secret podcast coming up. Uh, until then. Thanks, Katie, David. Katie, it was great seeing you at Macworld this year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame we only get to see each other once a year, but it's a great place to do it. You bet. <laughs>